My name is Shane Brody. I'm interviewing a local activist about the Kinross Mancho Ore Hall from Tetland to Fort Knox, and she's going to talk about some of the work that she's doing. Hi, I'm Barbara Schumann. I'm the spokesperson for Advocates for Safe Alaska Highways. So I'd like to cover, first of all, what is ASA? Yeah, you know, who, that's the activist organization. Yeah, well, yeah. you know, we never considered ourselves activists. Okay. <laughs> but but it seems like you're doing a lot of activism. We're we're pretty active, I guess. Yeah. I yeah, I guess how you want to. Active active means action. <laughs> um I don't know, it just it's it's hard to think of oneself that way, but mm. we're just you know, so concerned over yes. the safety yeah. of this issue of, of this plan that's been proposed. So, I'd like to talk about who we are and um where we've gotten our information, uh, which is difficult to get. Maybe talk about some of the background because Fairbanks, right, as we know, there's a a core population here that is always here. Yay for Fairbanksians, right? But there's also, um, this is a very transient place. Like people come here to work. People come here to the various military installations. We have a large student as well as researcher population that comes in every year. We have a lot of tourists even. And we also have people who move within the state who come to this place because it's a regional hub. So maybe we can also discuss like kind of the background information as well after sure. after you talk about the specific organization. Sure. Well, for example, I'm a retired attorney. Yes. Um, okay. Long time. Oh, you're an attorney. Yeah. Wonderful. <laughs> long time. Alaskans, most of a lot of us are retired. Yeah. Okay. We've had a successful career here in Fairbanks and yes. we decided to retire here. Yeah. And we're thinking about our children and our grandchildren right. and our great grandchildren. And so when we look at a plan like this, we don't like it. Yeah. It's not safe. It's it's gonna ruin our roads and bridges. It's gonna cause liability for the state of Alaska and it's gonna mess with our environment. Wow, that's a lot of factors. And I got to say, I'm so glad that you're a retired attorney because (laughs) a lot of this stuff has to do with the law and like looking at very complex documents, which, uh, you know, a lay person coming in and looking at some of this stuff, like you have to have so much knowledge, you have to have so much stamina to pick through these documents and not only see what they're saying, but see what's missing mm-hmm. from the documents. Yeah. When I, I did some Freedom of Information Act okay. requests. FOIA. Mm-hmm. FOIA requests of the federal government when they issued the wetlands permit for the Mancho Mine in Tetland. Okay. And they, you know, it started under the Trump administration. Okay. The application did. Mm. But it was. Is that when you became involved? Um, um, right, just before that. Okay. So this is uh, almost two years ago. Mm-hmm. Two, two years, years ago is extremely rapid, too. I mean, this is a massive project. Right? It, it is, but it's been fast tracked. It yeah. seems like. Mm-hmm. And the wetlands permit issued in less than a year, and it only the the Army Corps of Engineers decided to only look at five acres of wetlands. Five acres. What? That is in the Tetlin that area. Is so wild. Well, in the Tetlin area, but we know that it's not just the Tetlin area that we're talking about here. Absolutely. We're talking about the Tanana Valley. Yes. Yeah. The whole, it follows basically the Tanana, you know, the Alaska, the Richardson, the Steese Highways. It goes on the Mitchell, Pager, Johansson 
roads. And so um, it's, yeah, it's 250 miles yeah. between Tetlin and Fort Knox. Right. And um, But the Army Corps of Engineers decided not to look at any of that, not no. to look at the Fort Knox area either with acid generating ore from Mancho. Uh, Fort Knox doesn't have acid generating ore. It's, mm. it's almost the opposite. Okay. Basic almost. And so to bring acid generating ore into our valley here in the Chena River drainage, right. it, it's it's concerning. Yeah. And there was never an EIS for the What man. does that stand for? Um, an environmental impact statement. Okay. That means you look at all of the environments, um, all of the impacts to environment, safety, socioeconomic issues in the whole project. Okay. So if so they had done that, they should have looked at the whole highway. Okay. So and they're not there. They're Nobody just, has ever looked at They're the just highway. looking at a very small area around the pit itself. I think they were looking at various puddles and little ponds. Mm. At the top of the Tetlin Hills, mm-hmm. where the roads and the pads sure. are being made, and sure. and then the two extraction pits, sure, and how all that was going to be handled. But they only, you know, oh yeah, you're going to fill in five acres of wetlands to make your roads mm. and your pads, and that's right. all we're going to look at. We're not going to look at the road. We're not going to look at Fort Knox. We're not going to worry about it. Yeah, we're not going to look downstream. Right, right, right. And here at the interior, a lot of people fish. You know, there's a lot of wells that people are using, uh, groundwater, that sort of thing. Those things are always affected. Yes. Always. Yes. Well, if if we go straight to the issue of the environment, um, I I worry about the people of Tetlin because mm. what they're going to be left with, according to the reclamation plan that's been approved by the DNR, they're going to have a closed pit, you know, um, uh, left and an open pit. Hmm. Oh, really? An They're open going pit. to leave an open pit under the current reclamation I, I plan. I didn't know that. Um, well, even the closed pits are ridiculous, though. I mean, all they do is they take like bulldozers or something and, oh, let's kind of sculpt a mountain again and, and throw some seed on it. Well, you know? um, it, it's a little more complicated yeah. than that. What I'm really concerned is with is the open pit, um, which DNR says, no, they don't have to reclaim it because the, hmm. the wall... The walls are going to be too steep. Oh, okay. <laughs> so well, if it's if too you steep, dig it, if you dig it too steep, then you don't have to reclaim it. Okay, that make a lot of sense to me. No, that doesn't make much sense. And if you're leaving a steep slope, uh, what's going to happen afterwards to that steep slope? Well, all those walls um, are going to have the ore, yeah. which is acid generating. Right, mineral leaching ore. Yeah, exposed to the oxygen in the air. And, and water. precipitation, yeah. and it's going to come down to, you know, a puddle at the bottom, if yep. not more. Right. And, you know, the mag- migratory birds, animals, right. people that yep. get, you know, go there to look down. And what if this unnatural water body with acid um, fluids in it over over goes over the banks? Well, that, I don't know that it would go over the top, but guess what? Mm. That whole area is a very active seismic mm. area. Okay. I don't know if you remember back, um, I think it was in the 80s or 90s, we had a big earthquake mm. here, mm. and it and it really, it, it shifted the road like five feet yeah. um, out that direction. So, um, yeah, it 
it could happen that it would be breached. Right. And even if it's not breached, one of the um, statements in the reclamation plan is something to the effect that, well, there will be seepage. Oh, great. Seepage. Um, so they know it's going to seep. Yeah. I and, think so. <laughs> and they are, quote unquote, permitting it. Yes. Yeah. And, and you know, you, you talked about fish. We're, I'm really concerned about the fish in that area yeah. as well. Right. Because there's a world-class humpback, um, they call them whitefish mm-hmm. fishery in Tetlin Lake, oh, which is downstream. Right. There are salmon in the Toke River, which yep. is downstream. Right, right. And the Toke goes into the Tanana, which goes into the Yukon. Right, right. And we're it, all concerned about the Yukon lack of salmon. Right. It. I mean, yeah, the fishing has definitely declined over the last few years. What's going to happen if now there, we add poisons to it? Yes. Yeah. So I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, what's going to be left at Tetlin. But then there's the whole 250-mile route. Right. I, I just want to mention that the road is is important to protect as well. It goes across numerous rivers, streams, mm. wetlands. Yeah. And and the fugitive dust, the tire particles mm. from 52 tires on every truck. 52? Yes. What? We'll talk about the truck here. Okay. In a <laughs> All right. I ha- I guess I have no idea about the scale of these trucks. Fifty-two yeah. tires. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Sixteen axles. Sixteen axles. Yes. I don't even think I've seen something like that before. Um, none of us have. Okay. It's a special order. <laughs> okay. Truck and trailer All right. situation. But um, and finally, you know, the air quality with the fugitive dust. They are going to have. What do you mean by fugitive dust? So, when you transport rock and dirt you know, across a highway, mm-hmm. you lose some of it to the air. Okay. Right. And right. It's like, if you're falling behind a big truck, you want to yes. maybe move a lane because exactly. stuff is going to come yes. onto your windshield. So they're going right. to try to, to mitigate that okay. by putting a fabric cover. Sure. I don't think it's going to work very well when the trucks are empty. Right. Going back. Right. Um, and it may not work that well either, even coming north full. I think there will be fugitive dust coming off of. Yeah. How can you control dust? Uh, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and I worry On about. On a giant moving truck. <laughs> and I worry about kind of rogue rock and yeah. sand and gravel on the truck that's going to be, right. you know, bounced off. Right. Um, at me when I'm following one of these things. Right. Um, but, and then there's the air quality, you know, the greenhouse gases, the 2.5 p.m. emissions, mm. which we've got a you, problem here in North Pole and Fairbanks anyway. You're talking about uh, like the diesel from the, the diesel. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So we, we tried to compute how much diesel would be burned in a year just in the non-attainment area yeah. of North Pole and Fairbanks. And it's about a million gallons a year mm. of diesel burning. Wow. wow. Um, that, you know, there are alternatives to this road hall plan right um they could and, they could and, build a mill out the, out near tetlin yeah they could extend the railroad they could build their own hall road mm. you know a more direct route to to fort knox from from the tetlin site oh in a, a completely alternative road yeah right okay. and mm. and then you take it away from the public motor you know the motoring public and you could um skirt you could stay away from the non-attainment area what does non-attainment mean, by the way? Well, here in Fairbanks and North Pole, we have problem air. 
mm-hmm. in, especially in the winter. Right. Sometimes well, I know we have an inversion, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. In the, especially in the winter. Yeah. So that traps all of the emissions from fuel. Right. All the particulates. The particulates. Yeah, yeah. And it's the uh, wood burning is especially bad. Yeah. Um, and that's why they've gotten rid of a lot of um, yes. uh, um, um, fireplaces at people's mm-hmm. homes and that sort yeah, of thing. Yeah, and and a lot of wood burning. Yeah. Equipment that didn't meet stand. You know. Right. Uh, that's why people standards. have like the pellet stoves more yes. often. Yeah, yeah. 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 Of course, there's people say there are problems even with the standards that the EPA had. They weren't good enough, and right. they approved some of these things that use were used for replacement, and they're oh. not good enough. Oh, really? Not, yeah. Maybe not, I don't know about whether that's true or not, but that's maybe not for our conditions here. Yeah. Right. They probably yeah. tested it somewhere else, but then Fairbanks sets its own conditions. Right? right. When I was down in the lower forty-eight, and I would tell people about the inversion and how we don't have a, like a lot of wind and stuff, they were like, "What? How can that be? Yeah. How yeah. can that be? Like places like you know Wyoming and you know through that whole like tornado valley, people are like." They live with wind every day, like really heavy wind. Mm-hmm. So they just, they think that's an alien landscape or mm-hmm. something that we live in. Yeah. yeah. Well, we're between mountain ranges. Right. And, right. And um, the air just gets very calm in yeah. in cold weather. Right. Right. So, so, so at the same time that we are trying to reduce like the, the homes in, in the valley as emitters of particulates, we're, we have this big project. That then that then is going to dump a bunch of particulates mm-hmm. in the air mm-hmm. from the dust mm-hmm. as well as from the diesel. It sounds like, mm-hmm. yes. and it sounds like this is going to be a really busy route as well, it like will. lots and lots of trucks. Well, you know the the problem with just thinking about this project is that it's just we feel it's probably just the beginning because there are gold mines all around right. that area and south of us right. and north of us right here in there Fairbanks. Was- there was the dome issue when I, right. I left about uh, 16 months ago, and that was becoming a really hot issue. And that is still a, a hot is issue. It? Yes. Is it? Okay. Yes, it is. I haven't delved into that yet. I actually want to talk to somebody. So if anybody out there is involved with the dome issue, come come talk to me. I can give you a, a contact great. there. <laughs> great. Great. I want, to, I want to talk about all of this stuff. Um, yeah, it's, uh, it's a group called Save Our Domes. Yes. And they're, they're working very hard on it. Wonderful. So... So, yeah, there's even the particles from the tires contain chemicals that kill fish. Wow. Wow. And that's just coming to light now. Right. So let's talk about the trucks. Yeah. Let's talk about the project. Yeah. We have let's start at the beginning. So we started about, well, two years ago, uh, at least when um, former Senator Gary Wilkin started talking to some of his friends mm-hmm. about this project. And when he described it, I mean, and when I describe it to you and your audience today, they will probably have the same first reaction we did, which is, oh, that can't be. Mm. They can't possibly be thinking they can do that. Yeah, right. Uh, but it, but it, it is. I mean, Kinross right. is planning this project. Yeah. So we decided to get together and try to talk to people that ought to be very concerned about it in government and try to um, get to the bottom of it to make yeah. sure that our concerns were addressed. Who were you initially contacting? The Department of the State Department of Transportation mm-hmm. and, and state legislators. We contacted DOT, 
and eventually um, had a meeting with the governor in Juneau. Oh, my goodness. You talked to him? Yes. <laughs> uh, we were invited. I'm glad that you had a, a meeting with him, but I'm, I'm imagining that wouldn't have gone very well. Um, well, um, um, a representative, Ken Ross, was there. Okay. The commissioner of transportation, three of us from ASA, from Advocates for Safe Alaska Highways, and lots of staff and the governor. And we, what we were asking for at that point was a study. Mm. Let's study yes. to see what the impacts are going to be. Right. Are we right or are we wrong? Or are you right? Or is Ken Ross right? Or yeah. are they wrong? Let's get to the bottom of it. And so it was kind of like being green lighted or fast tracked, it sounds like. Well, without they, much of a study. Right. You know, if you look at the state's regulations, transportation regulations, they say that if the government, if somebody wants to change a road or build a road and determine that it's an industrial route, mm. which, you know, an industrial route means it's not just plain old commerce. It's not commodities, food, supplies mm -hmm. right, like to the, the general public. Walmart truck or, right, or right. Amazon or something. Or even fuel delivery. Okay. Crowley the, or something. To go, the go yeah. to the community. Sure. Water wagon, use. whatever. Right. Yeah. This, is, this, for example, is an industrial ore haul. It's going from one mine owned by the, the mining company to another mine of the mining company. Right. It's the general public is not part of this. Right. Yet they are asking to use a public highway mm, or public yes. highways. Right. Um, which and, are which are our property. They're the public. You would, the public's property. That's the way we look at it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's it's not like we haven't been using these roads. Right. These roads have been used by the public for driveways, school bus stops and routes, um, mom and pop things. Yeah. Um, there are a few, but very few commercial big trucks on them crossing the, the bridges down the alcan fewer than one a day mm. one truck a day okay fewer than one truck a right. day. and um, sometimes the military moves. the military yeah. convoys do mm -hmm. use it yeah um and so those have been the general uses they are called interstates but they really aren't mm. they're two-laned rural roads right they right. have multiple, probably hundreds, if not thousands, driveways right, right. on them. They're not, you know, limited access roads. Yeah. I went to a friend's uh, homestead near Salcha, and it was like right off the highway. Exactly. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I had to slow down for quite a while and put my blinker on so that people would know that I'm about to get off the highway. Right. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, the highway is not the greatest either. There are dips, there are curves, there are hills. There's there's really no pull-offs. If one of those trucks, which we'll talk about in a moment, get in trouble and have to stop, they're going to block traffic. Right, and there's uh, soft edges and ditches. There's hardly any apron along most of the route. What is an apron? Uh, an apron is the side of the road, like to the right of your driving area. Right. Where you have a little bit of leeway before you get off the yes. lip of the road and right. you go flip yourself off the road. Right. That's why when there's like um, bicyclists or pedestrians, they have a hard time. Yes. Yes. Along this whole route. Yeah. Yet there are, we've counted them and uh, with the help of the Kinney study have located a number of school bus stops along this route. 
And so when you compute how many, you know, pickups, deliveries, pickup delivery of, mm. children, of school children in a day, right. in one school day, 280 times wow. in every school day last year, if it's the same route yeah. this year, a school bus stopped mm-hmm. on the highway to deliver or pick up school children right. waiting for their waiting to go to or from school. Right. Right. 280 times. It it just seems to us that you can have a school bus route and you can have an industrial or hall route, mm. but you can't have both of them on the same route at the same time. Yeah. That sounds extraordinarily dangerous. Yes. Yeah. We think so. Yeah. And so we've, you know, we wanted to point out things like this. And so we asked for a study when we met with the governor and the commissioner of of transportation, and they agreed. So the Department of Transportation um, took their time, took almost a year Mm. (laughs) after that meeting with the governor and has commissioned an engineering firm to do a study. Have they done that study yet? No, it's still oh. it's still in progress. Still in the paperwork phase. They they started, <laughs> you know, they really in to in their um defense, the the study only began in January. Oh, okay. Of this year. Mm-hmm. I would, you know, if you want to blame somebody for the delay, I mean, it took the Department of Transportation almost a year, yeah, to issue the RFP to right. get somebody to to bid to right. to do the study. Right. And a study, it's, you can imagine this is a complicated study. Right, right. So it's because you're going through uh, 250 miles. Right, 250 miles. Problems. And <laughs> several communities along the way, several, like we're talking about wetlands and lakes and rivers and I mean, all kinds of things and bridges. I mean, all kinds of things going on here. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's almost like they want to make this whole corridor a mine. I feel like they want to make the whole state of Alaska a mining claim. Right. All of us are going to be living in the middle right. of a mining claim. Sounds like the bad old days. Yeah. <laughs> well, and this is only, as I started to say, this is only the first of what we think will be many projects. Right. Mining claims that if they can use public highways mm. to get their ore to an existing mill right, north of Fairbanks, why would they ever do something else? Yeah. Because it, it'll be the state and the federal government that pays for the construction, mm. the maintenance, the repairs. And, and when you say government, that's us. That's us. Yeah. The public we, is footing the The public bill. gets to pay the bills. Yeah. And the profits go to the Canadian company. Right. Right. So. And then at the end, we're also left with a bunch of devastation and poison, basically. We're afraid of that. Yes. yes. I'm always wondering about like why we allow also these kind of, I mean, I'm just going to say it, foreign entities, foreign corporations to come in and do these things. Like I, they say that somehow there's going to be like a lot of jobs and stuff. And that's its whole issue, right? They're they're talking about making what, quote unquote, man camps, right? Yes. Uh and there's all kinds of issues with that about increasing violence around yes. them, um, drugs. sexual assault, drugs, yes, all the bad things, all the things that we're trying to reduce. Violence against women. Right. Um, we are very concerned about the socioeconomic impacts, mm-hmm. particularly of the man camps. There's one in Toke, mm-hmm. and there's, you know, it looks like they're putting one up at uh, Black Gold mm. in North Pole. Okay. There's a lot of trailers 
you know, with separate doors and such. And so if they were hiring locally, um, they wouldn't need those. Right. Because people could just drive to work and there you are. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, you know, there's a driver shortage around the country. Yeah, that's true. So, of course, they're going to have to bring new people in to serve as drivers. Right. We haven't really talked about the scope of the hall. Right. And then then also um, just talking about the drivers, like, are they going to know how to drive on our highways? I don't know. Like I had, I, it was, it's such a steep learning curve. Just if you have a regular passenger car, like I have, you know, I mean, we usually have like what, two or three inches of ice on the, on our roadways often. I mean, that's pretty common. And then we have the, um, frost heaves we have all kinds of issues it seems like it would take a really long time for a giant vehicle which these sound like really giant vehicles to stop yes the stopping distances are a real problem and especially with the school bus stops Mm. the kinney study so far has found that with half of the school bus stops on the highway Mm. in the fairbanks school district of them half of them oh my there is a problem with the sight distance right half on half on a two-lane highway yes yes so there's no other place to go no yeah no other place I mean, and that that's on the Richardson right. Highway and on the Steese Highway. Wow. So the Steese Highway also has, I mean, the Richardson has dips and curves and Tenderfoot Hill and some other hills. The Steese has a, a tremendous last-minute hill before you get up to Cleary Summit and the Kinross uh, Fort Knox Mine. Yeah. There's a, well, I heard that just regular truckers have tr- have trouble with that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, and so... These trucks are going to be, we're told, 95 feet long. Goodness gracious. They're they're doubles, so there's a tractor pulling two trailers okay. behind it. 95 feet long, that's about five regular pickups yeah. length. Yeah. Um, or three and, regular and school bus lengths. Three school yes. bus lengths. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you get to Scoogie Curve on, you know, the last few miles mm-hmm. before... Um, getting up to Fort Knox and those doubles, even a single will have to cross over the center line oh. to get around that hairpin turn. Right. And um, we and know once that, again, there's the visibility issue like yes, you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very steep part of the road right, right there. Right. We know that Kinross has been trying to figure out some alternative, but um, really they've stopped talking to mm. the public. Yeah. Um, for that, over a year. That's what um, people who have power do when they want to control a situation. They just stop the information. Yeah. So you have to keep pushing. Yeah. 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 And even to the point where I think it was in the first TAC meeting, the technical advisory committee meeting, meeting with the Kinney engineering folks that are looking at all this under contract with the DOT. I mean, Mr. Kinney was surprised at some mm. of the some of you know statements coming out of Kinross. He oh, said, wow. "I didn't know that." Wow. <laughs> so you know, so the leader, very closed mouth. The uh, le- state leaders don't know what's going on with Kinross. Well, if they do, they're not telling their own contractor whoa, or the whoa. public about what's what they know about what the latest plans are. Wow. The plans keep changing too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at the beginning... Well, when you change plans constantly, that means that people like you, it's difficult to keep up. Or, you know, like these state agencies, which are, you know, people there are sometimes, you know, they're 
there's a lack of um, workers sometimes and funding to go after all these changes. So let's talk about what they're planning. Okay. You know, go back to the basics. Yeah. So what is the Kinross Ore Hall plan? It is to put 95-foot double trailers yeah. behind a tractor. Um, and Are these special tractors? Because, I mean, yes. it sounds like a big load. It is a huge load. They will be 80 tons loaded. Wow. About 50 tons of um, rock. Wow. So 30-ton rigs unloaded and 80-ton rigs loaded. There will be 16 axles, 52 tires. So this is something you have never seen before because they are experimental and being specially ordered and specially mm. engineered and specially fabricated Yeah, just for this particular ore haul. They're going to be traveling uh, to the 250 miles on public highways between Tetland and Fort Knox. And um, let's talk about how many of these trucks per day will come. At the beginning, Kinross said two to four deliveries per hour, two to four deliveries going north per hour. So that means an equal number going south. Mm. That would be if you counted it four per hour, it's 192 transits. Yeah, back and forth and that's through Fairbanks. And 24 hours a day, every day. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, mm. 365 days a year. Wow. You will not be able to avoid these trucks. Right, right. They will be on uh, the Steese Highway, the Johansson, Pager Road, the Mitchell, the Richardson, and the Alaska Highways. Wow. Because you can't organize your life around them. You know, we're all going to be living with these things. Right. And so every time you want to go to the store or the doctor or to your cabin somewhere, you're going to, you know, you have to think, you will have to think about um, meeting up with one of these. Um, Honestly, that just as a somebody who drives around a lot around Fairbanks, that sounds really frightening to me, you know, and I don't even have kids or anything like yeah. that. I can't imagine like. You know, if you have kids in your car and you see something like that in your rear view mirror, I would I think I would be terrified. Yes. You know, so I don't know if you uh, watched America's Dangerous Trucks. No, it I was, don't. I don't watch TV. It was on PBS okay. here recently. And it talked about how the whole trucking industry in the country and how they have been able to avoid putting bumpers underneath you know, or, or some kind of protective device underneath trailers. Because what happens now without them is either a truck coming upon a regular sized vehicle or pickup truck overrides that. <gasps> oh. Or if you. So it'll just go right over the vehicle. Exactly. Oh my God. And oh it, my God. And the vehicle gets lodged underneath. Right. Usually, well, the top of the vehicle gets crushed sure. or shorn off. Sure. And um, they're almost always fatalities. Right. Not not by the truck driver. I mean, the truck driver is usually okay. Sure. It's the people in these smaller vehicles. Right. Because their bumper, the bumper on your car, has nothing to bump up against when you have a collision mm. with one of these high trailers. Right. You just slide right under and the top of your car goes. I mean, the, the trailer will hit you right in your windshield. Wow. wow. So very dangerous. Yeah. And there's, 
I don't know of any uh, bumpers or anything like that that they plan to put on these trucks. Um, we haven't gotten any information, of yeah. course, about it's, that. It's wild that we have to think about these things, even. The other thing about a, a really high truck like that is it's very difficult for the driver to see over the top mm. of the hood. Mm. I've seen one ad on the Internet showing 12 school children lined up in front mm. of the truck. There yes. is a blind spot right. of 12 feet in front of most large trucks. Right. A blind spot. Right, right. And and so it's totally inappropriate to put these things anywhere near school bus stops, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. It's amazing that we even have to think about these things as the public. It's like we have to bring up our safety. It's it's like, you know, you're talking about these trucks overriding cars. Well, I feel like we're being overridden by this project in some ways. I do, too. It's it's kind of like it's almost like it's a taking mm-hmm. of, right. of rights that we have had as the public to use our roads for our purposes. Yeah. Um, it's sort of being uh, overtaken. Yeah. For an industrial or hall. Yeah. There are also the issue of the bridges. Mm. along this route mm, yeah, with yeah. such heavy trucks traveling so often. And some of those bridges are a little narrow, too. Very narrow. There yeah. are three World War II vintage bridges right. along this route. Five of the bridges along this route are now slated for replacement. Mm-hmm. And we they will not be replaced before this scheduled ore haul. Mm-hmm. And DOT seems to be saying that it, that the bridges can just be used mm. by these very heavy ore trucks. Um, it doesn't make sense to us. And uh, when we next meet as the technical advisory committee, we're hopeful that we can get some answers because we're not getting them right now yeah. on what's going on with the bridges and how can you allow <laughs> these these bridges that are slated for replacement to you know, be susceptible to damage. Right. These are, this is the only road between Canada and Fairbanks. This Mm -hmm. is the only road you can use if you're in Toke. Right. To get to an airport. Yeah. To get to a hospital. Yeah. What if there's like a emergency? The emergency situation along that route is also very dire. Yeah. It's very hard to get emergency services. Just even now it's hard. Yes. Yeah. Even now. And we don't believe that any of the emergency service people along the route have the equipment mm. to right one of these trucks if they go off and off on their side or to extract vehicles and people from underneath them. Right. They don't they just don't have the equipment yeah. or the personnel. So it just leaves the public in such a um, bad situation. Yeah. It's, it's just not right. It's it's an unreasonable risk that that is being taken with our lives and our welfare. It's just unreasonable. It should not be allowed. Do you think that this is, that this is a partisan issue at all? No, actually, our group is wildly diverse. Yeah, <laughs> we have the whole gamut of political, you know, backgrounds and yeah. beliefs. And none of that matters because what we're talking about is safety. Right. And that applies to everybody. So thinking about like the long term issues around this mine, do you have any perspective on that? 
um, because we kind of live in an area that has a lot of mining that historically, um, what's going to happen with this mine project? I've read that they're going to build stuff up for a couple years. They're going to extract for about four years and then they're going to do reclaiming for a couple of years. That's very, very quick. Yes. There's this mine, but there's a lot of other mining claims all around it and around the state. Mm. So if we allow this project to go forward as planned, it'll just be the first one. Okay. Many. So this is kind of like a test to see what'll happen. Yes, absolutely. It's a test case and we'll be stuck with the consequences if we're not careful here. Mm -hmm. So Long term, let's take a look at, say, another mine that's like the Mancho mine in terms of the type of ore okay. involved. Okay. It would be the Nebesna area. Okay. It is now a park, a national park. Uh, is that in Alaska or is that it's in another in, state? It's in Alaska. Okay. It's just south of uh, Mancho in, in sort of the mountainous area. Okay. Nebesna. And it was mined, oh, over 100 years ago, mm -hmm. but it has acid mine drainage because it has sulfides in its ore the same way Mancho oh. has sulfides. So it's a similar kind of ore. It is. It's okay. the same, basically very similar type of ore Okay, from, you know, a, a similar area. And <clears throat> it is still, after a hundred years, the, the ore is still generating acid. Oh, wow. That needs to be reclaimed and remediated. Mm -hmm. It's like a Superfund site. Yeah. It's a Superfund cleanup okay. that they're planning, and they're involving the public in their plans, and and they're going to have to pay to clean up a mine that was mined over 100 years ago by a private mining company mm. that just up and left, um, thinking that everything was A-OK -okay when it wasn't. Right. And now the public has to pay to clean up the environment. So we have a lot of mining history here in Fairbanks, right? We even just had the Golden Days Parade, which was kind of a mixed bag of things. Uh, I noticed that Kinross was right at the front of it, which is I thought was a little bit strange. Seemed like a little bit of propaganda there. So people sometimes kind of, it seems like, kind of like to claim that that is part of our heritage here in this area. So why don't we just go ahead and do some more of that, right? As if we don't have other choices. Well, Mining in today's world is a lot different yeah. than the historical mining. I would imagine. Um, it was more placer mining. Yeah. The hard rock mining in the olden days was one guy shimmying down a shaft sure. and bringing up ore that he mined in, you know. Right. Like maybe has a few sticks summer. of dynamite or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And so almost all of it was basically surface okay. mining. Right, right. Not deep you know, hard rock sure. mining around sure. here. And so it's totally different. And um, and one guy and a mule or whatever could handle it, right? Right. And and so most of that surface type rock was already oxidized. Mm. If it was going to generate acid, it had done it, you know, millions of years ago. Right. And right. so bringing it up out of the ground now um, didn't cause the problems that when you go down a mile, into mm. the ground like the Fort Knox pit has or like the Mancho pits are going to do. Right. And then you bring that up 
and it oxidizes for the first time in millions of years. Mm. With precipitation, it becomes sulfuric acid. Right. And wow. it will have to be remediated and dealt with at some point in the future. Yeah. At some point, especially if it leaks, if it seeps, if it gets into a seismic crack or something like mm -hmm. that. We've got to protect Tetlin Lake, the Toke River, all the fisheries there. Yeah. And all the fisheries in between here and Tetlin. Yeah, subsistence activities. All yes, that. Mm -hmm. and, you know, people still live subsistence lifestyles in that part of the state. And, you know, with all this activity, it's going to affect them. And um, we need to be we need to be mindful of that. We need to be aware of it. So what are they doing with the, the Nebesma? Is, is that how you say it, Nebesma mine? N Nebesna. Um, the, as far as I know, the park service service is, um, planning to do a, a remediation is what, what it would be called. They're going to try to figure out ways to deal with the acid mine drainage and get it to stop or at least, um, mitigate it or, or, um, treat it. Okay. So that it's not escaping into the atmosphere and killing everything along the river's you know, the drainage areas. Right. right. Um, and it's going to take years. Yeah. And a lot of money, I suspect. Right. Because it's, you know, distant from a lot of places. <laughs> so if, uh, let's say, whoever's running this Tetlin mine, they just pull up stakes after eight years or whatever, who is left with that bill, with that cleanup, that long-term issue that is definitely going to be around? They... Um, ha have had to post some kind of bond, but I, I suspect that after the two years of reclamation, the state will sure. release that mm. bond. And so they will leave and probably go out of it. You know, the entity that they have formed to do that mining will probably disband okay. and will exist so, no more. So they have kind of made corporations just kind of out of thin air to create this project, and then those corporations are just going to dissolve, dissolve right after. Well, um, if not dissolved, they won't have any assets. Okay. So if they get sued, oh. they can file bankruptcy. Oh, I see. Wow. That's like a shell game. That's kind of a shell game. Well, it, it is a way that corporations use to protect their assets. Mm. Um, you know, a lot of people, but anyway, that's what's been done and is likely to happen. Wow. So same thing with the transport company. Same thing. You know, wow. if they need to have adequate insurance, which um, for for an ore haul like this, it really ought to be quite sizable, I would say, yeah. on a school bus route. Uh, how about the state involvement in this? The state has basically approved it. They haven't made formal decisions that you could point to, you know, on a certain date. But they're not saying no. And so every day it's an, it's a new decision saying, yes, you can do this. Mm. Yes, you can do this. And if you're a plaintiff and there's not enough insurance coverage and the transport company has filed bankruptcy, you're going to look for deep pockets to sue mm. other people that are responsible for the accidents right. that are caused and or for the for the um, pollution. Yeah, right. And 
you know, with pollution, it, it never ends. The acid mine drainage. I mean, look at Nabesna. It's a hundred years ago that it was mm, mined. Yeah. It still is a problem. It's yeah. still generating acid. Yeah. I looked up a website about that and there was some little warnings uh, around on the website on almost every page that I looked about if you wander into this area as a member of the public afterwards, you have to clean yourself. Mm. Uh, otherwise it's uh, basically going to contaminate you mm. like with stuff like arsenic and that sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. The, the ore itself has heavy metals in yeah. it right. from Mancho and it has um, mineral leaching mm. capabilities mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And certainly the acid generating ore also will be leaching minerals. Yeah. So, yeah, it's like um, putting cadmium and lead and stuff like that on you. It's not a it's not a good idea. Right. Right. It can cause problems. Right. So what can the public do? Like if they are upset about this, if they're worried, if they're worried about the process, because this is kind of being streamlined and, and fast tracked. What can the public do? Yes. Thank you for that question. We at Advocates for Safe Alaska Highways have a website. If you have questions or concerns, please look at it. It's www.safealaskahighways.org. There's a lot of information there, and our petition is there. You can email us at info at safealaskahighways.org, and you can help us by signing up for our newsletter, sign our petition, and uh, you know take the petition and get your friends and neighbors and family to sign it. Scan it and email it back to us or give us a call or an email and we'll come and pick it up because every signature is precious to us. And then talk to your elected representatives. Tell them how you feel about this. Ask them to do something to stop it and to protect the public health and safety. And keep your cell phones close by if it actually does start. I, you know, I think we should all be vigilant and Take pictures of anything that we see that's happening that's wrong and and say something about it. Yeah. You know, because otherwise, if there are no complaints, if we don't turn in, you know, violations of law to the to the troopers and such, it's just going to continue. But I would say especially for um, for the local people here in, in the Fairbanks area. Contact your local representatives yes, yes. on the school board, mm -hmm. on the borough assembly. Yes. Let them know how you feel. The borough right. assembly is almost evenly divided. Talk to the borough mayor. Let them know that you don't like this and that they should they should be opposing it. Right. We um, also could at ASA could use some help from any experts. Um, if you're a bridge expert, if you're a transportation expert. Mm -hmm. If you're an environmental expert or a geologist expert, we do have some of those that are helping us, but we could use more. Even a student. Even students. Yeah. Because there's a lot of research that we have started, but, you know, it's it's a big job. Yes, yes. So we can use help. Give us a give us an email at info at safealaskahighways.org if you would like to help. Awesome. We will also be at the Tanana Valley State Fair. We'll have a little booth, and if you would like to sign our petition, please look for our booth and come up and talk to us and sign the petition. Our plan is to present these signatures when we have gathered enough of them over time to the governor, to our elected officials, 
federal, state, and local. So we can express to them how the people feel about this planned ore haul. They're against it, and we know they are. Public opinion is on our side. We just have to convince our elected officials to do the right thing. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for coming in today. I, you know, I've been away from Alaska for a little bit, so I actually don't know what's going on because news organizations in Lower 48 so rarely cover any Alaska issues, even though so much is going on here. I mean, we're kind of at the leading edge of industrialization and extraction and shipping. Um, global warming. Global warming, et cetera, et cetera. But we hardly get any coverage of it. And that's part of what the reason why I invited you in, because I feel like it's really important to reach out to activists who are doing this kind of work, who are challenging corporations and also maybe our government to do better. You know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah. Um, and uh, we appreciate all the help we can get. Yeah. And all the notification out to the public. Yeah. There are still people that aren't familiar with, with this project. Yes, right. Especially because Kinross has not been talking about it right. at right. all they're, for they're, the past year. They're keeping all of the information to themselves. They're even keeping it away from the government that or and their contractors. I mean, that's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. I got to say, too, that I was asking around for who I should talk to, and everybody pointed to you. So you're, you must be doing a lot of really great work. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. We're working hard at it. Yeah. All right. Thank you for coming in. Thank you. Pleasure to talk to you. Yes. Pleasure. Once again, if you want more information about Advocates for Safe Alaska Highways, please contact them. Go to their website, www.safealaskahighways.org, or you can email them, once again, info at safealaskahighways.org. Contact them. This is a really important issue. It's going to affect everybody in the borough. Do it. All right. All right. Thanks, y'all.